Hello, everybody. Today we are talking about is the grid method for drawing useless? If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at Art Prof, critiques, tutorials, professional development, and workshops. Grid method has been around forever <laughs> since the dawn of time. Certainly, it has been articulated in a lot of different ways, but I think it's amazing. They were doing this in ancient Egypt. Oh, yeah. It's really cool to see how almost mathematical it is, breaking things down to lines and angles and forms. It has nothing to do with math, really, I think, but it's, it's almost like a science when you see it like this way. By the way, tell us in the chat, who here has used the grid method and what did you use it for? And did you enjoy the process or not? Because if you take a look at history, it's a lot more complicated than you might think. For example, the Egyptians were not using the grid method to enlarge the image. They actually had a particular canon of proportions that they were trying to fulfill. And so the grid was a really good way for them to learn how to do that. Mia, what about you? Did you ever use the grid method? I think that I have a similar experience to a lot of high school artists who want to dive into illustration or learning how to draw a period. And I had that high school assignment where it's an image and a grid next to it. And your assignment is to just redo the image on the grid. And I found it really boring <laughs> and nearly painful because I think that I am interested in art making for the spontaneity of it. And the grid method took the life out that I was seeking in that work. So it, it's cool to see how um, it can be utilized as a tool versus a drawing method. My teenager had to do a grid portrait and complain so much <laughs> when she got home. I mean, granted, she's probably a little biased because of the home that she's grown up in. I never really had to do it in art class. But you all know how impatient I am and how that just would not be a good alignment with my specific set of skills. I would pay money to watch you do a, a grid portrait. No, no, no. That, that's got to be some circle of hell for me. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. The grid does guarantee accuracy. Now, why might this actually be helpful, even if it is tedious to do? I think that when you consider, especially projects like murals or something that you need to have an exact replica of this sketch or image in a larger scale or a different context, the grid method is sometimes completely necessary because as far as murals are concerned, unless you have a giant projector, you need some sort of guide to make sure it's accurate to your sketch. So in that case, I think it's super useful. And you don't have to worry about it. It's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really an uh, option where it's going to go off the rails. And if it does, it's through your fault. So <laughs> that's actually really, really helpful in some ways. And, and there's so many art processes. There's no guarantee of anything. And this is probably one of the few ones where that actually is the case. Let's take a look at what people are saying in the chat. Seven Angelic says, Used when I was in high school to do some assignments, did not really enjoy it, but I have seen this to be useful to scale a mural 
from a smaller drawing. Jane says, I've used it a few times to enlarge a thumbnail to a larger sketch for Inktober, not part of my normal practice though. Mary says, only seen it in coloring books as a kid. And Jennifer says, when I went to school for graphic design, they taught us a grid method to show us that we could draw. It worked. I never thought I could draw before that point. We have plenty of cons for the grid method that we're going to get into. But Mia, I like this idea of the grid method as an entry point for drawing. What do you think of that? I completely agree. I think that it's at its core a great way to show someone um, the basics of, okay, look at this and then use your eyes and translate it to this. It's very simple. It's very like, boom, boom, step one, step two. And I think that um, just by getting that down pat, you can open your whole world to like different ways of doing that, not in such a rigid way. So I completely agree. It's a great jumping off point. Drawing is intimidating. I just, did it. My mom said before I could talk, apparently, but I know that's not the case for everybody. Some people have full out careers and art is something they're totally starting from scratch from. So I do think that there are some tools that maybe aren't great long term, but maybe they are the stepping stone that makes it possible for you to say, you know what, I can do it because somebody is structuring it in a way where it doesn't feel so unreachable. So one thing that's been brought up is that the grid method's really good for murals and complicated artworks. But I also think Chuck Close brought it to such an extreme that to me, his method of the grid is more than just transferring. What do you think? I think that's cool. Do you have any more context about this image? Because I've, I haven't seen it before. Oh, okay. So if people don't know who Chuck Close is, he actually passed away fairly recently, but he's known for just these gigantic portraits. I mean, this is probably, I don't know, 15 foot tall portrait. So they're monumental and they're taken from these photos. And you can see this is the actual transfer where he drew the lines on top to make the grid. And then it gets transferred over to the painting. But he's also done other pieces where within each square he's doing some type of shape or pixelation and so i think he's somebody who's brought it to more than just an enlargement tool it's, it's sort of fun to see how he went about doing that and mia i was so surprised by this because this doesn't look like much and then you're like oh it's amazing it's it's hard to believe that one led to another. Um, and I think that the grid method could even, it's, it's as simple as getting the angles right sometimes in an image and it really sells the pose and it can change, it can make or break the whole painting. So I think this is a really good example of that. And you've done lots of murals. Did you ever do the grid method for that? I either used a projector or just my eye. Uh, none of my murals really required the grid method. They were sort of, uh, you know, manageable without. But I'm sure if I did get to larger scales, then I would definitely need it. Absolutely. And with a composition this complicated, I mean, wow, Lord Layton, those are some serious folds in the clothing. If you're going to get that deep in to the technique, you don't want to be second guessing 
if you've put things in the right place. Sometimes it's just faster. I mean, we were just talking earlier about how tedious it can be, but when you compare it to having to redraw everything at a big scale in a complicated painting, it actually is faster. And so it really depends a lot on the context. This is a good trick from Jazz. I just fold the thumbnail up to figure out where to put stuff on the bigger canvas. So the grid does not have to be drawn. Could just be folding the piece to see all of those squares. I think that's brilliant. Absolutely. Mary Elizabeth says, if I want to transfer a regular small piece, I can possibly use a grid method to enlarge it to a mural. Absolutely. I mean, for me, that's where it makes the most sense, where it's a planning issue. I spent all that time on my thumbnails. I worked hard on getting just the right placement. And I'm now going to start this mural, which is really involved. Jay King says, I'm just going to go hide in the corner for this one. Well, thank you so much for the super chat. We so appreciate your support. So Mia, mine's not really a grid. It's more like I just divided it. <laughs> this is a really sloppy grid, but I do this a lot when I had big pieces. You can see this is the really large drawing. And then down here at the bottom, it's actually a photo of the drawing that I printed out and then drew a grid on top. And you can see the exact same thing over here. So Mia, are you surprised when you find out that people did this? Or is it like, oh yeah, everybody does that? <laughs> well, I think it's really cool. Similar to how every artist has a different studio and different you know, tools that they like. I think that every artist has a different unique guide and it's cool to see how so many of these guides stem from the grid method. Like sometimes I just use like a little sundial thing to make sure everything's okay. And other people use uh, ripped out pieces of paper and it's always some loose form of a grid like this. It's not a complete, you know, millions of squares, but it's just what you need to make it work for you. So I think it's really unique to see everyone's differences in that regard. But <laughs> there are some problems we have with the grid method for drawing, which is that this is slow. You have to draw all those lines. You have to follow everything. You're not going to learn how to sketch quickly. Now, why do you think this could be a problem, Mia? I think that what we were saying before about the importance of your eye to the paper or the eye to your subject is there's a level of spontaneity and life that comes in through your hand as you make those lines and you observe and you take it all in. And this method, for me at least, just sort of sucks it all out and, and kills it and makes the image really dead. And the speed you're, you're sketching, you're probably making really small marks and making sure everything's so accurate. And in the end, that sort of like anxiety of straying from the grid is going to work to your detriment, actually. That's what I think. I also think it can actually make you pickier and harder on yourself because the expectation is that, oh, it's going to look just like the photo. And then when it doesn't, even though you've spent so much time on it, you can end up really bothering yourself about why didn't I do it enough? And then you draw even slower and then you're not really keeping the big picture. Because I think one of the hardest things about drawing is making sure your image is cohesive. You have all these pieces. There's 
<coughs> hair, figure, glosses, and stuff like that. And when you're just like chopping everything up into these little pieces, how could that possibly look cohesive? Although maybe you know better than me. <laughs> no, I think it definitely discombobulates it a little bit. And I think that there's a way to use that strategically, like you mentioned with Chuck Close, like purposefully disengaging or, or reworking it to work in a different sense. But I think that you can tell when someone cares so much about making sure every single little grid is perfect. And I think that having so many small grids versus a few larger ones makes a lot of difference as well, because you can have the basic outlines and forms or guides, and um, you can still give yourself some freedom to work within that and, and find new life in, in your um, from your thumbnail to the final. But when you get so small, it's just, it kills it. I think you're not thinking about the whole. So it's one thing to try to draw the whole, but so much of drawing to me is in your head. How are you conceptualizing how to draw a portrait? And for me, this is harder because I'm like, there are already enough parts <laughs> to the face with the anatomy. Now I'm gonna chop it up even more and you don't see the connections. You don't say, oh, I see that this bone merges with this part of the ear. You're just saying, okay, I have this one square. I'm going to copy this. It does not teach you much as far as drawing a more complete vision. Gregory says, I've always seen the grid as training wheels to getting accurate realism. What do you think of that? I think that's a really good point because like we were saying before, um, the accuracy is almost guaranteed when you're using the grid method. So it's sort of practicing that eye and that maybe rendering too. If you get the outlines right with the grid, you can practice shading and getting the realism really down pat, but you might be lacking the, um, the excitement. <laughs> I would, I would be, I think, I think I would just get mad. Like some people I know would just be like, I'm bored. I'd be like, Arr! like so frustrated. I'm just I, not a good just, candidate. I don't know who you would turn into if, if you had to sit there for five hours and do that. <laughs> basically turn into the incredible Hulk, which is what happens when I get hungry. <laughs> Lee says, what do you think of a camera Lucinda? Is it better or worse? We're not going to get into camera. Isn't it Lucida? I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to get into that in the stream, but I think like everything we're talking about, it's a tool to create something. And Mia, I just don't think tools are that black and white. I don't think it's like camera Lucida bad. <laughs> like it's always good. Like, it's just, there has to be gray area for how we use these tools. Absolutely. And I think that um, every artist uses them differently and warps the tools. I think that if you're given a tool and you use it exactly as intended, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what you do with hammers and stuff. But for art, I think it's a little bit more complex. I was trying to equate them and it was like, that doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of talk about, oh, this is cheating as an artist. And we do have a stream about that, by the way. And we've concluded that the only form of cheating is plagiarism. We really think the rest of it is fine. Seven Angelic says, I found using the grid made the drawing feel more wonky as the small bits just didn't really look put together. I agree. Because if we go in and we look at the next slide, 
you can see this is the charcoal drawing and then this is the photo over here and things don't really flow what do you think i mean by that mia i think that the bare bones of the drawing do reflect accuracy from the reference but the shading and the contrast and other fundamentals of art really aren't there. And I think that when you're learning all these fundamentals, composition and the flow of, you know, portraiture, whatever subject that you're making should all go hand in hand. So if one of those things is going to be really stiff, like your, like your grid outlines, I think that the shading and the contrasts are also going to look stiff. And that's what's happening for me in this one. I also think for passages like hair, that's not going to do well with the grid. I mean, something that's really concrete, like the shoulder, you need to get the height and the width the way you want it to be. But it's like, how do you even apply <laughs> the texture and strokes of the hair to the grid? I mean, I guess if you're really focused, you can. But the whole thing about hair is that it's a dynamic form. It moves in different directions. And hair to me is just really expressive. So to reduce it down to those squares, I think doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree. The stiffness is not great. That's not something <laughs> that you want to retain. And I do think once you've drawn it in this way, it's really hard to make a stiff drawing expressive. I actually think the opposite is easier make a mess, clean it up, make it more stiff. But the stiffness is something that I don't think is good for drawing. Yeah, I think that some of the best portraits I've ever seen, like my favorite portrait artist is Alice Neal and her work is so expressive and lively and full of lines and it's not very realistic at all, kind of, but you get more out of it than I do with this. Lisa says, I think some artists love grids while others measure using their pencil held up. Others prefer more energetic marks. It's personal taste. It is. I think that there are some nuances to that where sometimes people get tunnel vision and they say, I have to measure. And I'm like, try, try this just, just for a few minutes. No. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> like, Just try something else. So I think the key is as long as you're open to not just doing one thing, that's probably the more important way to go about it. Yeah, and I think as soon as you try another method of drawing, you can return back to the grid method and try and in, like influence that with your new techniques and it will make a world of difference. Anna says, the grid method does not allow for spontaneity in the creative process. When I work on a big painting, I want the freedom to change my mind as I'm working on it. Absolutely. I mean, if you want to do anything that is a departure from the photo, which in my case is 80% of the process, the grid is not good because it really has these super defined boundaries that get in the way and it'll just end up making you mad. Pickles says, I've been drawing for 40 plus years, would finally like to learn the grid technique. Never seems quite correct when I do it, but my art is pretty good without. I'm missing something big, I guess. Well, is this sort of fear of missing out for some artists who don't use the grid? A fear of missing out? I mean, I don't know. If I, I would say if your work is good without it, 
I wonder what your motivation is for, for trying it out. Maybe you want to scale things up or maybe you want to be more keyed into realism, but that's an interesting, because a lot of artists, I hear the opposite where they're like, I need all these guides to work and make something I wish I could go off book, if that makes sense. So I, I love to hear more about your psychology there. It's like me in the rule of thirds where people were like, it's so useful. I'm like, never used it. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I'm fine. Just, also, I'm just so lazy. Like, I, I, I don't want to do, I don't want anything that requires more effort. <laughs> Ayane says, I only use the grid method when I need something to be absolutely perfect. If it's for an original piece and not a copy, I'll have already drawn it digitally and then use the grid traditionally to render. I guess Inji's like us. I never have the patience for full grid. I've used it a few times only for specific main points, maybe four at most to orient and that's it. Oh, there's so many variations on this. I mean, I'm looking at this and this hurts my head. I'm like, <laughs> dude, just split it into four. That's all the squares I can handle. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like the smaller the square is, I think that the more detail people assume you'll get out of it. But in reality, it's just... It's chaos because I would forget which square is which. I would be like, why is the ear all the way over? Like, I feel like it would complicate it way too much for me to even look at it. Well, here's a good point from Jessica. We have a bunch of people who were using it in school. I knew someone in art school who swore by the grid method. I feel like it becomes a crutch when you rely on it too much. Well, how do you see it becoming a crutch, Mia? Man, I think that people might just be afraid. I think that the grid method takes away the spontaneity as we've talked about before. So if that's something that you've never experienced in creating an artwork before, that excitement of getting something new or not knowing what to expect could be pretty horrifying if you've come from a place of like knowing exactly what's going to happen. So I think that it's a matter of just pushing yourself out of the nest a little bit and like jumping into a new com a different comfort zone, which can be really scary, but I think that it will open so many doors. I do think as an artist, it is important to have some degree of self-awareness where you say, you know something, I use this all the time. Why? Because I'm afraid to do something different. That's usually a signal that it's time to step outside of that box because we all have crutches. I mean, my crutch is, I don't know what to do. Let's make it dark. That'll fix everything. And it never does. And I know I do it and I do it anyway. We all have those types of habits. Watercolor Artiste says, I use the grid method in my first college drawing class but I found it cumbersome. Maybe use it for large compositional shapes and then throw the grid away. Okay, so maybe not going full out, but just the initial beginning, maybe that's a good entry point. Artist Vav says the segmenting compartmentalizing can sometimes help see how those parts relate and connect to each other for more in-depth studies. Excellent. These are all really great points that people are making. I also well, Gregory says you go. Sorry, I was going to say I love these comments a lot because it reminds me that everybody has a different way of processing information visually. So people who might be more not mathematical, but more structured in their way of thinking and visualizing the grid method might completely work for them in whatever way that they utilize it. Whereas other people who like drawing outside of the lines and you know, 
sort of flowing like water artistically might hate it. So it's cool to remember how everybody sees the world and utilizes it differently. I just love, I love thinking about that. <laughs> so we have a comment from Gregory who says, I feel like this channel dislikes realism. And we have a response from Mary who says, it's not the hatred of realism. It's more of not copy pasting a photo, giving it life. There's a level of realism that needs creative freedom. Sometimes to do realism, you need to make things up. I don't think we have a, well, I'd like to think we don't have a hatred of realism, but I think one of the things I've seen, Mia, is when people don't have tons of exposure to contemporary art and our history and lots, lots of other artists. I know a lot of people in our audience live in remote areas. You don't have access to those kinds of resources. Usually what I see is realism is the first thing that they're exposed to. And because of the way the internet is, it feeds itself. You look at one realistic drawing, it shows you 10. And so you don't really get to step outside of that. So for me, a big part of it is not saying realism is bad, but to say, you know what? There are 99 million other ways. Let's learn about those ways before we decide that's the only way of working. Also, I think it's the intent behind the realism. I think that uh, a lot of realism is made just for sort of shock value or to go viral on the internet these days. And that could be very different from using realism to say something extremely profound or, or emotional or using it to create a reaction in the viewer. And that's the kind of realism that I love is when there's real intention behind it. The grid method, it truly is as a separate skill from drawing organically. And I think that's important to see Certainly, I'm sure there are some nuances to this, but in my opinion, training your eye, yes, it takes a long time and you make a lot of terrible drawings along the way. But if you really focus on training your eye, ultimately, it's way faster. Is that the case for you, Mia? Yeah, I think it's similar to the teach a man to fish or like give a man to fish and he'll eat for a day and teach a man to fish and he'll be set for life. <laughs> so I think that if you train your eye, you'll be riding without handlebars or training wheels. And with the grid method, you're kind of, and if you never branch off, you're kind of stuck there holding this thing in your clutches, like so desperate. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think training your eye is challenging and you won't get results quickly and it will not be accurate not even close. <laughs> so it's almost like you give up some of that accuracy for a lot of the expression that happens. Because one of the things that I always really liked when I taught at RISD, we'd all be drawing the same model, 20 students, okay? But every single person would draw the model differently. And looking at the drawings, you would almost think you're looking at a different model because of the way they've interpreted the pose. And I understand why people don't want to draw from life. It's hard. <laughs> How do you develop that patience, Mia, when you just feel like you're getting nowhere? I mean, I think that you have to have the, you know, motivation to 
want to get better. And in, in that motivation, there's an inherent failure that goes along with that. So not beating yourself up too much, like being kind to yourself and saying, okay, this might be super ugly, but it's all for the sake of learning and developing further, which, you know, it's easy to say that, but I know when I was learning, I was, you know, smashing my head against the wall every day. So it's, it's definitely easier said than done, but if you keep it up, you will thank yourself years in the future for sure. Guaranteed. DGF says, I consider the grid method as another toy in my chest that I can play with from time to time. Ironically, it helped me to better see the flow of how things connect. Yeah. So that's a really great example that for DGF, it was a really good fit for learning how those things structure. For me, it's not a good fit. I mean, I feel like it's the sweater that we're all passing around and I'm like, it hurts. I don't like this sweater. And other people are like, oh, it's great. It's so comfy, you know? <laughs> Watercolor RT says, I think realism represents a kind of perfection in art that eliminates the artist concept of the subject. Those who can get realism without grids command mad respect for me, but can lack flair. I mean, this is another conversation about those hyper-realistic drawing skills that are held up on a pedestal because the social media algorithms really like them. And again, it's a matter of personal taste. I mean, some people really like that type of work, me not so much, but it, it is something people really notice that they say, wow, that skill, you must have worked so hard. I'm like, dude, I worked hard to do a gesture drawing. All right, everybody, registration for October workshop due this Friday. We have drawing dogs, pumpkins and gourds, skeletons and bones, commissions, social media, and merch and prints. Join our art school portfolios group. We are having so much fun in here. BFA and MFA applicants, we give you support on your portfolio on an ongoing basis. Instead of one-off questions or critiques, we work with you in depth on your progress in your portfolio through long, nerdy essay-like critiques from me and also voice sessions with our staff. Please join me and I. We will be in the Discord immediately after the stream. Come chat with us in the post-live stream stage channel. You guys, oh, not the stage channel, the text channel. I'm sorry. All of you have this wonderful discussion that's happening in the chat, and so we can continue it over in the Discord right after the stream. Art Prof has services. We have artist calls, personal art curriculum, statement editing, portfolio critiques, and a huge thank you to our amazing top Patreon supporters, many of whom have been with us for years and years. You guys are so incredible. Visit artprof.org. We have so much stuff on there that's not on YouTube. Use the search bar. Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.